Good morning, everyone. We have a lot to talk about today, so let's begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Guess who is sitting over there? This Father Mark. He's back. <laughs> long, long time ago, when I was in my teen years, my teenage years, my mom and dad took me aside before I took off from home. And they said, son, stay focused and trust God. I have no clue what they meant <laughs> way back then. But I think as we go through the homily this morning, we're going to find out what it meant. The theme of today's readings is trusting or not trusting God and the benefits and consequences that follow. The parable in today's gospel is a good outline of salvation history of the church, where, the, where God, the king, is giving a wedding feast for his son, the bridegroom. The wedding feast is given by God is eternal life for those who believe in the triune God and live righteously. The passage contains some very interesting points that are directed to us, to you, and to me as disciple of Christ. So we have to be very, very careful here. I will come back to these points later in the homily. But first, let us see how beautifully Isaiah the prophet in the first reading described the wedding feast for those who believe. He said, on this mountain, the heavenly Jerusalem, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines. He will wipe the tears from every face. He will destroy the veil that separates us from God. And he will destroy death itself forever. A beautiful passage. So let us break it down step by step so we understand what it means. The food or the bread and the wines are not just the kind we, can, we consume to supply our body with energy, not at all. They are the kinds that provide comfort, fellowship, peace, and joy for an eternity. And this food and wine will never spoil with time. This reading of Isaiah is eschatological in nature. It speaks of our destiny. It speaks of our destiny and where we are going. If we put our hope and trust in God, he will not only care for us in this life, but in the life to come as well. With that being said, there are three main points that we can glean from the first reading of Isaiah. First, unlike previous chapters, the tone of, of the prophet today is of hope, of hope for all people, saying that the people who repented of their sins will rejoice in God's salvation. Second, Isaiah tells us that God's salvation extends to all people, all who heed his command and follow his commandments, not just to one community but to all communities 
to all people. In Genesis, God said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. And all peoples on this earth will, blessed, will be blessed through you. All people. Third, Isaiah also tells us that death will be destroyed by God forever. He will remove the veil that separates his people from him. Our church fathers believe that the text of Isaiah went beyond their immediate circumstances. It was about the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. It was also about the Eucharistic table where we gather to worship him with sincere hearts. Sincere hearts. King David in the psalm today refers to the table as well. He said, O Lord, you spread the table before me. And if I may add a couple, couple words here. O Lord, you spread the table of the Eucharist before me, and you anoint my head with oil. Beside restful waters, the water of baptism, I assume, you lead me and you refresh my soul. How beautiful that is. Go home and meditate on these words for a week or two or a month or two. The Jewish people were the first to be invited to the feast by God's servants. But they refused the invitation repeatedly, and even they killed his prophets as they went back to live their former life of paganism. The theme of trusting God continues in the second reading of St. Paul. Paul writes to the Philippians saying that I know everything. I know how to live modestly. I know how to live luxuriously. I know how to live humbly. I know how to live with hunger. And also I know how to live with the plenty. I know it all. In every way, I have mastered the secret of conditions. And there is nothing I cannot do. There is nothing I cannot do through the one who strengthened me. There is nothing I cannot do. There is nothing I cannot do because Christ is in me and I am in him. Through Christ, everything is possible. There is nothing new to us. I'm just saying to you in different words, a different perspective. You have heard this already many times before. Brothers and sisters, what Paul is proclaiming to us today is living faith in action, which we are required to practice, to have a Christ in us and us in him. This is the only path to freedom for us as we journey in this life, heading into the life to come. And now, going back to the gospel, reading of today. Sorry. Now let's go back to the gospel reading of today. There, we noticed that Matthew gave us three main points as well. First, the event was a wedding banquet. Second, 
the king sent his servants to those guests who were invited to come, but they ignored the invitation and went away. Others attacked his servants and killed them. Third, the king then sent more servants to the street, asking all who wanted to come to the feast. This is how gracious our God is. The hall was filled with people who were dressed properly for the occasion, but some came without the required wedding garments. And those were admonished and thrown out into darkness outside. Oh, deacon, it's too heavy. What does it all that mean, right? What does it mean? Well, let us break it down for you, okay? So it will be a little bit more, more clear. As noted, the parable began with messengers being sent to summon the invited guest. They notified the people who, were, who said yes already to coming. Then they invited them again when the wedding feast drew near. You have, to has, you have to send two invitations. The king in the parable had the expectation that those who said yes would fulfill their application to come. For the people to refuse the king's invitation after accepting it was a no-no in ancient times. Way back then, you cannot say no-no once you say nay, yes to invitations. In the same time, while on our faith journey, we are invited at our baptism to reject evil, right? To confess our faith and to trust God. The Lord also expects us as the guest in the parable to fulfill our commitment after saying yes to our baptismal promises. Therefore, through our baptism, God wants us to be part of the wedding banquet with his son. The image of the wedding signifies the love relationship between Christ and his church, is you and Christ. Just like the love relationship between a husband and wife. God's baptism invitation to us is his offer of citizenship in his kingdom. He is offering us a citizenship in his kingdom. You and we, you and me, the sinners. Can you imagine that? Think about it for a second. I lost my line, you see? This is what happens when I go around. <laughs> Sorry. And when we call Jesus Lord, we are acknowledging him as our king to whom we are surrendering every aspect of our lives. He is not only our Lord on Saturday night mass or Sunday morning masses, but of every morning, every afternoon, and every night throughout the week and throughout the year and throughout our lives. Next, the king sent more messengers to bring in other people to the feast. Jews, Gentile, prostitute, and even the unwanted were invited. Everyone. A surprising twist here, though, that when people came in, where some were not dressed properly. So the king said, get out. You are not welcome. We need to understand here that members that clothed 
way back then, clothing is, in the old days, was symbolic of a person's identity. Not taking action to change means that the guests, who were not the guests are not ready to enter into the wedding banquet. So you send them out. Just like when we come to baptism, we should be ready to change our life and have a new identity so as to become a new creation in Christ. Saint Leo the Great spoke of our new self when he proclaimed. Listen to this carefully. Christians, remember your dignity. And now that you share in God's own nature, do not return by sin to your formal condition. Do not forget that you have been rescued, saved from the power of darkness and brought into the light of God's kingdom. Through the sacrament of baptism, you have become a temple of the Holy Spirit and your liberty was purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Finally, our ability to retain our place in eternal wedding banquet with the Lamb of God depends on how much we are willing to conform each day into the likeness of Christ. Otherwise, we are like the men in the parable who show up to the wedding garment without proper garments. This is why Matthew tells us in the end of the reading today, many are invited, but few are chosen. And at the end, I just learned a couple years ago, or just last, yesterday morning, actually, when we're in this, uh, that man is you, who are teaching us about how to be a man in our society, how to be a husband, how to be a strong man in our, in our culture. And the other thing I learned is one thing about Mother Teresa was very unique. She said, she said she is a part of the family, her family. She is a part of her community. She is a part of her country, whatever, wherever she is from, from Albania, I believe, right? And she is a part of the world that she lives in. But most importantly, she said, I am, my heart belongs to Jesus. Most importantly, his heart belongs to Jesus. And you see, if your heart and my heart are belong to Jesus, I think at the end, we will be ready to have a drink in the wedding garment. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Dear friends, I'd like to alert you to the coming events for our parish. Uh, the first one... Uh, will be on Wednesday, October 25th at 7 p.m. And we will have uh, uh, an evening prayer uh, service uh, for justice, peace, and healing with a focus on the conflict in the Holy Land. And um, my friends, um, having just returned, I have many emotions now about what's happening. And as I speak to parishioners, they are in the same boat as I am, feelings of hurt and anger and fear and anxiety. And so I ask you to bring all that with you on this evening, and we will come together as we do as Roman Catholics. We will pray 
My friends, prayer is transformative when our hearts are open to it, and it leads to action. And uh, Father, well, you know, we can pray, but yes, we will pray. And uh, I want you to know that we will be reaching out to the greater community in this uh, evening prayer service. Will be open uh, is first and foremost for myself and for you, my people. But we will open this up to all people of goodwill. Uh, we will invite the Muslim community. We will invite the Jewish community. We will invite Christians of every denomination to come and to be with us and to pray. This is not a political thing. This is a prayer. And uh, we will come and offer, and we will uh, do it the way Roman Catholics have for ancient times. We will bring candle. We will bring the incense. We will bring chant. We will sing hymns. And we will read scripture. There will be no homily. <laughs> Uh, on this evening, but we will come together. Friends, um, the, the one Roman Catholic church in um, the Gaza uh, has gotten word to the Holy Father, and the Holy Father has sent word through the bishops to us that uh, that church is open and is filled uh, with people who are hungry and thirsty and looking for shelter. So we do pray, but prayer leads to action. So the action the church is taking is by opening its doors to anyone. And on the Israeli side, uh, the uh, Catholic churches there, their doors are open to provide food and water and shelter to those who have lost homes on that side. And uh, so my friends, uh, the church is doing something. And the Latin patriarch, which is we would know him as the Archbishop of Jerusalem, has called on all Roman Catholics on Tuesday to fast and to offer prayer for peace and for healing. And so I encourage you uh, to join in fasting and prayer on that day in solidarity uh, with the Roman Catholics and the Christian communities of the Holy Land. And so my friends, I ask that you consider coming at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. We'll have it on the website. Uh, we'll have it in the bulletin. And then also coming, uh, we have um, a Holy Day of Obligation, all all Saints Day, and I uh, will have Mass. But, and then the following day, we have All Souls Day. And it's a day when we remember our loved ones and friends who have transitioned from this world to the next. And there are many expressions of doing this, and one of the ways our parish has done it now is uh, we have remembrance candles. And on those remembrance candles, people write the names of their loved ones and friends who have died, and some put prayers on there. And people, oh, Father, that's very nice. Well, it's more than just nice. You see, uh, the candle itself burns for six days, and it will burn in our sanctuary. And uh, uh, some people take it home and rather have the candle at home with them, and that's okay. But Psalm 141 tells us, Let my prayers rise like incense before you, my uplifted hands like an evening oblation. And so I bless the flame, and then I bless the wicks of the candles. And then as the candle wick burns, it heats the wax. And the wax has fragrance and begins to fill the church. So it reminds me of Psalm 141. And as it burns for six days, your prayers, your hopes, your sadness about your loved ones all continue to be continuously prayed for. Uh, so... Um, we have the candles available. They're outside. And the only thing I'm going to ask is do not wait until the final day because we only have so many candles. We buy usually enough, but I would say take advantage. Go out there today. Get your candle. Write your prayer, your loved one's name on there. 
uh, and that we will be prepared for All Souls Day. Um, it's a beautiful way to remember and to pray for our loved ones and our friends who have transitioned. And uh, my friends, again, uh, on Tuesday, uh, uh, the Archbishop of Jerusalem has asked for Roman Catholics to fast and pray for peace, for peace. So let us do this in solidarity. Huh? And then uh, we'll get the information on the website about our evening prayer service for peace, justice, and healing for that Wednesday. 